Thanks for listening to another leadership podcast from Pastor Jurgen and the team here at C3 San Diego. To find out more about our church, go to c3sandiego.com. All right, well, welcome to the July edition of C3 San Diego Leadership Podcast. I'm here with Pastor Jurgen. Pastor Jurgen, how you doing? Doing very well, sir. Good, good. Hey, before we get, get started in uh, this month's leadership podcast, just want to tell everybody listening out there something exciting coming up in about two weeks, which is our, which is our Empower Conference coming up. Two weeks from now, just over two weeks. So Pastor Jurgen, can you tell everybody out there listening when they're going to listen to this in the next few days, why they need to cancel everything, sign up and come to Empower Conference? Um, you know, well, it's, it's C3USA slash Empower. And I think if you, if you come to one, you can go, you can attend both. And um, it's just going to be extraordinary. The speakers that we've got, Phil Pringle, Steve Kelly, um, Michael Pitts, John Cameron, are going to be just like life-changingly brilliant. But uh, I just find that I need... I just need that week in a year or just a few days in a year where I set aside my, my life from the busyness, the disconnect. You know, as I forty thirty one says, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I think a lot of people are weary or worn out or, uh, on the brink of burnout or a breakdown because they ignore one of the most famous scriptures in the Bible, those who wait upon the Lord. And to wait upon the Lord means to to give attention there's nothing worse than you go to a restaurant and the waiter is like distracted and you're like trying to give them your order and they're they're looking at somebody else a brilliant waiter is someone who when they come to your table you feel like you're the only person on their radar because they're waiting on you and uh, and that's that's really what waiting on the lord is it's to to remove every other distraction so you're just there to receive you know, for lack of a better term, orders from the Lord, but just to, to receive instruction, to receive a word from the Lord, to receive encouragement from the Lord, to receive teaching, receive empowering. And uh, whenever you wait upon the Lord, the reason you, re- you renew your strength is because God rewards that level of focus, that level of separation and disconnect from everything else to Him. So, so the, you know, I really put uh, empower on for our church but you know already we have so many other churches wanting to come and bring their people and so it'd be a shame if every other church benefited from what we put on their own guys didn't so make sure you're setting aside that time that week come to c3 usa um be our biggest cheerleaders uh you know it's we 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 know that we can lead a movement by the principles that god's given us but so much better to lead by example and uh, we, we want every other church to kind of leave a little bit envious going, oh my gosh, like, did you see how passionate, did you see how excellent they were in their serving, did you see their attitude, did you see their smiles, did you see their enthusiasm, their engagement in worship, their enthusiasm in praise, their, you know, uh, hunger for the word of God. Uh, it was so funny, I was speaking, you know, somewhere and I tried to encourage people to bring their Bibles and, and uh, you know, 
have a journal and take notes and you could have swore I said and you know please also donate a kidney at the end of the service it was just like it didn't go over but anyway um but you know I just I just love all that. I think it honors the speaker I think it honors God when we say hey I'm not just going to sit in church but I'm going to sit in church and take notes and receive because you know I, I want to open my heart for God to speak to me so C3 Empower and C3 USA are worth coming to and if you register for one, you get the other one thrown in. That's right. So that's the week of July 20th through the 25th is C3 USA. And then Empower is right after that, which will be exciting. That's for kids, youth, and adults. So everybody should come to that. Sign your kids up. Sign your youth up. Get them there. Amen. Well, it's so good, Pastor. You're going to have you back uh, from traveling all over. And since you've been pretty much all over the world the last uh, month ministering and attending some of the most influential conferences around the world, what we thought we would do for this month's leadership podcast is just kind of pick your brain on when you go to those conferences, uh, how do you pick up some of the excellence that's there? How do you prepare yourself to learn and to listen and to see and, and how do you take that back to the church? So kind of the, the title of this podcast is how to learn from the outside and not just be so consumed with, with what we're doing on the inside, but be able to learn from those who have broken ground and pioneered and taken ground. So um, kind of the first question that I want to ask you is, uh, when you go to these conferences and these events and these ministries around the world, what do you do? How do you prepare yourself to learn from them um, by what they're doing and experience that? You know, I think I, I, I like to always go with my eyes wide open. And uh, it's the funniest thing, it's the craziest thing, I never see my church so clearly as when I'm not in it. It's like when, when I'm here, the 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 weight of the immediate, the draw and the urgent, the tyranny of the urgent. And you just get, you don't even realize you get sucked into the trees and you lose the forest for the trees. You can't see the forest because of the trees because there's always an issue that needs solving. There's always a conflict. There's always a struggle. There's always some tension between departments. There's always a problem that needs to be solved. And and so before you know it, you, and so you're not able to, so it's when I go away, all of a sudden it's like I see my church clear. And I think for, for any leader, vision is important. And vision is the ability to see ahead. Um, we think the vision is just seeing straight in front of us or seeing the trees. That's not vision. Vision is you've got to see, see far enough ahead to know which direction you're, you're taking the ship and, and where you need to be planting the next next set of trees, not just how to deal with the trees in front of you. So, so I always find for me going away, I see my church so much clearer, but I'm, but I'm always, uh, when I go to a, any type of conference, I'm, I'm always, in, in fact, any church, I'm just looking at, okay, what are they doing that's working and how can we adapt that? How, how does that compare? How does that differ? You know, there's a lot of things that we do so well here. So I go and say, yeah, I like that, but I think we do a better job. And then there's a lot of things I think, wow, I really like that. You know, and then I'll, I'll ask the, the pastor or the leader, explain this to me. How did you? That is so good. That is so good. Uh, so then how do you do this? So you, you go to these big conferences or big churches and see all the great things that they're doing that maybe you wish that we were doing. How do you go and not be, or really not compare yourself to them or be insecure because of them, but instead go there 
to be in a place to learn and not compare. So leave their feeling, wow, we can do this instead of, wow, we suck at this kind of, kind of yeah. mindset. So how do you do that? Yeah, I think it's, um, there's an element where you've got to just understand where you're at and what your race is and run in your lane. So, you know, what I remember a few years ago, I was comparing myself with another friend of mine who was having really extraordinary success. And, uh, and a guy says, you know, if he's, co- if he's called to run the 100-meter freestyle, why are you comparing yourself against him when you're running 100-meter hurdles? You know, it's a completely different race. And you can't, you can't take his time and then beat yourself up because you don't make it. You're jumping hurdles. He's just running in the straight lane. And, uh, and so just understanding where your church is at, understanding the different model that you, you're trying to build. But at the same time, wanting to, to learn. So I've, I've found that I never, you never win when you compare yourself. Because if you compare yourself and think, wow, I'm so much better than him, you become proud and arrogant and God can't bless you. So God's hand comes off you. So you never want to be there. And if you compare yourself and you think, man, I suck. You know, you become inferior. You become insecure. You become defeated and despondent. And so you don't win either. So, so that's why the Bible says you're not wise if you compare yourselves, you know, amongst each other. And so I try not to compare, you know, uh, myself. But I do, I do like, you know, in saying all of that, I actually do like being challenged I do like being stirred well look at what they've built look at what they've established and then asking them how did you get to here and 90% of the time it's culture you know we a a very a very primitive look or a very uh, quick skim of the scripture will teach you that if you get good seed and plant it in good soil you're going to get a good harvest and while that is true 90% of the time it's not 100% true because I can't grow bananas up in Nebraska. You know, so I can have, Nebraska's got great soil and I can have the best banana seeds. But if I plant banana seeds in the best soil of Nebraska, it's still not going to grow bananas because of the environment. So what I'm looking for when I go away is, because there's nothing wrong with our seed and the soil is the, is the human heart and lives. But what I found more than anything, it's the culture. And so I'm looking at what kind of culture and environment have they built. And I think that, um, especially coming out of Hillsong, their their worship is just so far above and beyond any worship that that I've seen. And it's because the culture that they have is, uh, you know, they had um, Taya, who's their main singer. Well, she kind of went added a little bit with her voice and then by Wednesday night she said her voice was pretty shot so they rested her Thursday Friday and then she closed out Friday night so they pulled the young gal out of um, Hillsong LA so she jumped in and filled in so I'm thinking okay this is this is going to be interesting Uh, number one her ethnicity number two Hillsong LA has only been going just over a year and so I'm thinking, okay, well, she's going to have some Americanisms. She's going to have some of her, her ethnic ethnicity come through. And then, you know, America, America celebrates the gift. You know, it's the Hollywood star. It's the movie star. It's the rock star. You know, we, we elevate the gift above character. But it wasn't like that at all. What they've done in a year is she was just unbelievable gift, unbelievable voice, but just focused on... It's all about Jesus. So 
so she puts the gift up and she steps back from the gift so that it's not about her and everybody's eyes are on Jesus. And that's why, that's why God's elevating Hillsong. That's why God's blessing it because it's like, finally, most people will use God to elevate them, their gift, their ministry, their fame. Their, hey, God, thanks for building this platform. Now let me get rich from it. And that's, that's why I think, so just looking at that, so that doesn't come by accident. That is a culture that Brian's built, Pastor Brian Houston's built through great leadership. That you don't make the stage if you're all about you. Wow. So even talking to Jad and some of the guys afterwards, I could not get over the humility of, of the team. Like just so humble, so down to earth, so not about themselves. And yet, you know, probably the number one selling Christian artist of all time. Yeah, it is. That is incredible. So then... How would you say this when, when you go to a conference like that and you see these things that you want to uh, adapt or to bring back, how do you know as, as a senior leader what to bring back and maybe implement right away or straight away? Or what do you know to maybe let rest for a season until the church is ready? How do you determine what and when the church is ready to bring and implement new ideas or new strategies and, and things like that? Uh, usually it's pretty simple. Usually I think that um, if, if, if there's been a certain ceiling that you hit, then that's time to address. There's always an issue behind a ceiling. So you go away and you see these guys who have broken through that ceiling and there's that own ceiling that exists back here. So you know, okay, well now I know how to get through that ceiling. I've got to shift this thing in the culture. I've got to shift this thing in an attitude or shift this thing in... in uh, a value system that we have here, a priority system or a maturity or uh, an instruction. But I always try and come back with a level of instruction, uh, with a level of teaching, with a level of inspiration. And then other times you just know that, hey, you know, we're on the right track, but uh, that church has been going 30-something years. We've been going, you know, almost 10. So, you know, you can't compare a 30-year-old to a 10-year-old. You know, you're foolish if you do that. If I try and get a 10-year-old to wrestle a 30-year-old, it's not going to bode well for the 10-year-old. So, But at the same time, that 10-year-old can exceed that 30-year-old by learning some of the mistakes and pluses from the 30-year-old and giving it to the 10-year-old today. So I think it's, it's just recognizing where you're at, being really honest, just recognizing where you're at what things you, you can adjust straight away. And again, the, the goal is never, I never want to go to a conference and come back to, the goal is never to beat or berate the team. You never win, wow. you know. So that, that's just kind of tantrum throwing, you know. That's yeah. kind of really an exasperated leader yeah. throws a tantrum because, hey, I want to be here, but you lot let me down. Every problem in the church is leadership wow. and every solution is leadership. So when I go away, it's never wow. you. It's always me. It's always me. I've, you know, things that I probably should have challenged that I just let go, things that I, yeah. you know, whatever. You know, and so it's, I've, I always find that I receive instruction. I receive correction. And yeah. wow. I know one thing that you always said to me when we, you always take us to conferences. You always tell the team, okay, I want you to look around and see what they're doing, see the areas that you're responsible for that you see, and how are they doing it differently, and how can we adapt those things or, or take the best from things, and what can we learn, which I think is always a, a great thing. So could you tell, tell us, tell the listeners out there, just the importance of always being teachable, 
really from anybody, even maybe it's even a smaller ministry that you went and visited that uh, hasn't been around as long as we have or isn't the size that we are, but yet you're still able to learn from them and the, from their leadership. So how do you do that? How do you remain teachable and learn from you know, somebody who hasn't done what we have done, but you can still learn from them? Well, I think you know, it's, it's an attitude of the heart, and I think Jesus' first teaching is the, uh, in Matthew chapter 5, he does the Beatitudes. And, the, you know, one of the first ones is blessed is the poor in spirit. And, you know, we kind of think, oh, blessed are the poor. Jesus kind of really honors people who are kind of homeless. And, but it's not poor in spirit isn't that. Poor in spirit is teachable. Someone who's poor in spirit is someone who's spiritually hungry. Yeah. You know, someone who's spiritually thirsty. Somebody who realizes that, you know, there's so much more. And, and I'm just so poor in spirit. I, I want more. Like... You know, poor people are craving the next meal or, or craving enough money to warm their house in winter or put a roof over their head or, or provide clothing for their children. And so, so poverty is, is a desire. And so blessed are the poor in spirit. Are, you know, and so I think it's a first beatitude. It's, it's a mindset and an attitude that you have to adopt. I, and God hates arrogance. And so... You're either poor in spirit or you're arrogant. And arrogant is to be self-sufficient. Nowhere in the scripture does it say to be self-sufficient. Uh, you know, in fact, the only one who is, who is self-sufficient is God. And even God doesn't call himself self-sufficient. He calls himself the all-sufficient one. El Shaddai means the all-sufficient one. Meaning that God is the only one in the universe who can create something out of nothing. Because he's the creator. But he's the only one who can be self-sufficient. Even God then wanted to create man and you know his image and, have, and likeness and have fellowship. And so uh, I think the first thing is you go, you know, and I want everybody to, to always be looking, always have that hunger for, for betterment, for improvement. And I'm a, I'm a big believer on exposure. Yeah. You know, I find maybe it's my communication ability is... Uh, not as good as it could be, but I just find if I can take people to a conference, if I can take people and immerse them in the conference, like, and I just noticed even from the years where Liam was looking after our children, I'd go away to a conference and I'd come back and I'd try and explain to her and she'd be like, so you're saying, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. What I mean is, and I realized it was just so much easier if I could just take Leanne and she could see it and she could see it for herself. And the times where we did go together the, the conversation afterwards was like, oh my God, and she saw things that I never saw and she understood things that I never understood and comprehended what I didn't comprehend and then it was like this, this sharing. So I learned very early on that the ability to be able to take your team and expose them to next level. It's, it's so much easier to expose to next level than try and teach next level because teaching next level is really taking people where they've never been before and human nature is that we shrink towards what's comfortable. Most people never move more than 50 miles from the place of their birth. And so because we're, we're creatures of habit, we're creatures of comfort. So to step out of our comfort zone, to step into the new. You know, I'm thinking of Abraham where God says to Abraham, get out of your father's house, get out of your country, away from what's familiar. And then I will make of you a great nation. So... You know, if Abraham wasn't able to go, God wasn't able to make. But because Abraham went, God was able to mold him. And so there's just a a power in stepping out. And the Bible says that Abraham stepped into the unknown. 
that he, that he followed God into the unknown, did not know where he was going, but he was trusting God. He was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. And, uh, and so I think that's one of the prerequisites of, of leadership is taking people where they haven't been. But I've just found it's, a, it's like a little cheat if I can take people to a conference where they can see our next level already modeled by that church so people see that next level and go my god that's that's where we need to go okay we need to make this adjustment this shift this change adopt this bring that in and then we're going to be there yeah gosh it's so good uh can you maybe just speak to the senior leaders out out there because you've always really from day one have taken us to conferences around the world and exposed us to things, you and Pastor Leanne. And there's always a cost associated with that. And I think uh, a lot of leaders out there are saying, well, that's great for you because you can afford to do it or you can pay to do that. But there's always a price. And why is it important for the leaders out there to pay that price? It's not just don't do it when it's everything is great and you got all the money in the world and then you can go and do it. But why is it important to pay a price to take your team and expose them, like you said, to those different different ministries and, and not just even our conference, for example, from people all over the world. Why is it important for them to come and fly? lie over here and and pay the price and not just ask for a handout and for free but to actually say no we're going to pay a price get a hotel get flights bring our team and expose them to this well you know again going back to the scripture jesus says where your treasure is there your heart will be also so i found if if i'm handed something free i don't i don't value it so putting a price tag on it. And then the other side is it's, you know, our very, very first ever business manager sat down with us and we we're only maybe a year old. And I'll never forget she said to me, um, she did a study of uh, Google who, you know, back in 2005 really had become, you know, the juggernaut that it is today and has been able to maintain that. But she said that um, Google spends... Uh, between 15 and 20% of their annual budget on the training of their people. And I just thought that's in, incredible because, you know, they're at, the top of their, they're at the top of their game, but they'll spend like close to one-fifth of, you know, 20 cents in every dollar that comes in on sending their people to conferences or courses or seminars or skill sets that are going to take them to another level. And and it really impacted me because when I looked at our budget, our budget, you know, had maybe two or three percent that we invested into conferences. And and I guess for us too, one of the one of the sadder things is I see, um, you know, just a lot of senior senior leaders will go to conferences, and I think it's very important for a senior leader to go to a conference. Um, but every time I talk to those senior leaders, they're always struggling with frustrations in their team, and and I and. To me, the thought would be, well, if you took your team, yeah. wow. Wow. You, you know, because you come back and you're here and they're still there and, you know, you, you, you can kick a dog as hard as you like, but it's not yeah. gonna, you're not going to teach it how to sit yeah. and roll over. So you know, you're just going to teach it how to scamper and so pee its pants or, you know, pee the ground when it sees you walking in because it's wondering if it's going to get another kick. So, you know, so I, I think that, um, you know, and... Pastor Jesse would be able to let you know, and I know that we spend a lot of money on conferences. C3 has a lot of conferences. And, uh, and then we've even found that there are a lot of conferences that, that are essential for Leanne and I to attend outside of C3 that are 
number one, relational for us, that, that we attend out of relationship. And then number two, that we attend because it really sharpens us. And I think just, just exposure. So I, I would say to you know, a senior leader out there, you, know, you should be going to at least three or four conferences a year, not just one. And uh, that you really ought to think of at least one where you take at least your key leadership team to expose them. So you all see together, you all hear together, you all experience together. And then, you know, nothing is more powerful than a debrief and debriefing together and discussing. And so that it's not just knowledge, it becomes implementation. Yeah, I think that's I think that's so good. I think one thing that has been so good, at least for me as a team member going to conferences and things like that is when you don't do that, when you don't expose yourself to these different ministries, you get kind of caught up in your own church bubble and of what you're doing and how you're doing it and being able to go as a team member to see, okay, look what they're doing, look how they're doing it and how I can't just get stuck in what I'm doing. But, and it always, I think pushes you to keep growing, pushes you to keep taking ground out, out in the world. And, um, so l- let me then ask you this question. Let's say the senior leader doesn't go to a conference, but he sends his team. How, when the team comes back, they have all of this insight, this vision, these strategies and things that they want to try. Yeah. Um, how do you, or at least talk to the senior leader right now, of how, how do you uh, kind of respond to your team when they come back and say, hey, we want to implement this, we want to try this. As a senior leader, how do you make sure that you're not, I guess, uh, insecure or, um, or w- whatever it may be to respond to your team that you sent away so that you can get advice and wisdom from your team because maybe you weren't able to go to something like that? Yeah. Well, I think that, uh, you know, it can be quite disconcerting because the, the senior leader can feel threatened, like, hey, I'm meant to be the leader. And there's, there's a lot of pressure on the senior leader to be the, you know, to be the Moses. You know, the, the children of Israel came to him crying out, there's no food, he brought food. There's no water, he brought water. You know, there's a Red Sea, he part of the Red Sea. And so, so that model is, is very easy because, you know, then all the people were appeased and everyone cheered for Moses. But to actually lead where you're allowing a collaboration of ideas and the development of skill sets really requires a level of security in the leader. And he's still leading, but he's leading through the people and he's raising and empowering the people. And, uh, but it does, it does require a, a skill set. You know, Dr. Dave Martin said something really brilliant. He said, you know, the difference between where you are and where you want to be is just a thing called knowledge. How many people get to a certain part in their life and say, my God, if I knew this when I was 20... My life would be different. If I knew this when I was 15, my life would be different. So now you know it and you would do things differently. So rather than, you know, kind of just coast through life another 10 years and then think, my God, 10 years ago, I wish I knew this. Well, that's why you go to conferences, like learn that. So I think sending away people uh, and, the, the, you know, the senior pastor needs to understand if he's invested money to send people away, he's sent, sending away for a purpose. And they, you want them to come back with ideas and you want them to come back. And, and I think it's creating margin for, you know, mistakes, but at the same time for, for wins. You know, this, in, in golf, they have what they call the risk reward factor. So, you know, it's a par five, but at dog legs and there's a lake. And you hit a good drive, well, you can get there in two. But the risk is, you know, there's 
a headwind and the ball could drop into the water, but the reward is if you get on, you've got an eagle putt. And so I think in life, there's just the risk reward. Um, and so, uh, you know, the, the risk is sure they can, you know, make a mistake and, you know, we spend thousands of dollars on resources trying an idea, but I would prefer that culture where we've got people that, as opposed to a culture who are unafraid and unashamed and hemmed in uh, and never trying anything new and never stepping out of the box because that, wow. that option's been removed. Wow. So, so, you know, so I think there's a whole gamut of yeah. different perspectives, but if a senior leader is sending away the team, you should expect them. You've got to prepare your heart to expect them. They're going to come back fired up. They're going to come back wanting to implement, and that's a really good thing, and it's worth... Uh, they're making a few mistakes, but having that enthusiasm to keep trying something new. Yeah. You know, I think Thomas Edison said, uh, you know, when he invented the light bulb, that it didn't take him a thousand times. He just had 999 steps. That's right. So people talked about all the yeah. failures, all the, he didn't call them fails, he just called them steps to get into that thousandth. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that we've got to create that room. You know, for people, if he would have given up on 30, well, you know, you failed 30 times, you know, called him into the office. We're not funding this thing anymore. There's no such thing as a light bulb. You know, if God wanted us to have a light bulb, he would have given us electricity, you idiot. And, uh, you know, set him out. But, uh, you know, and so I think, you know, creating margin, creating room for for people to, to make mistakes is really important. So good. Well, uh, kind of in the last few minutes or 10 minutes or so, just wanted to ask you, because while you were away, you went to some of the largest conferences and ministries and churches around the world, and uh, just wanted to get maybe two or three things that you learned from these different ministries um, that maybe you'd like to apply or maybe apply in the future. I know you mentioned worship at Hillsong a little bit, but some of the other ones, I know you went to ILM conference in Orange County with some of the uh, world pastors and leaders um, in churches, as well as Hillsong Conference and Arise Church in New Zealand. So what are uh, a couple things that you learned while away that you want to apply or apply in the, in the next season or next journey in life? Yeah, I remember uh, it's a very interesting question, very loaded question in the sense of I can remember uh, early on in our ministry, we'd, we'd be frightened when our senior pastor would go away. <laughs> Because it was a, it was a radical change of direction, and it was kind of like you idiots. We've been heading down the wrong road. Now we're going this way, you know. And we're going to be seeker friendly. And then you know, then the next conference would be, you know, you idiots. We've been seeker friendly. We need to be having four hour meetings, and the meeting doesn't finish until God's done, and and uh, people growling and laying on the floor and. You know, and so it was like, you know, and so literally we'd brace ourselves. Oh, crap, he's gone to another conference. Oh, shoot. And so we just try and weather the storm for the first kind of month after he's back. And then, you know, he'd kind of come back down again and then we'd get away with it. So, so that's kind of stuck in my mind that I don't, I think something's broken in the leader if every conference you come back and it's a radical, uh, you know, adjustment. So for me, the thing that I probably got out of ILM was simplify systems. You know, really just looking at our systems. Because we've got really good systems in place. They just, I think they always need tweaking. I think, you know, uh, you know, even when you look at cars, cars today run more efficiently. It's because... 
they've got a great system, but they just tweak it every every year. Every year they're making it more fuel efficient, more cost effective, so they're able to bring the the price down. And but they've got a really great system. We've still got a very the same system as we've had for the last thirty forty years, but they just tweak it every year to make it more efficient and more effective. And so I think that we've got we've we've developed a really great system with our Connect Grow Serve lead, and so. For me, it's really simplifying that. And I think that if things are, are not simple, they're very hard to follow. You know, simple instructions are, uh, are just everything. And I think that sometimes, uh, you know, churches can or leaders can get lost in the maze of complexity. And if we just keep everything simple and, you know, things look impressive if it's really complex. So how do you guys grow your church? Well, it's a lot like... You know, if you take the atmospheric pressure and you take Einstein's theory of quantum physics and you bring the two, you know, it sounds impressive, but it really doesn't help people. Whereas if you just simplify everything. So from ILM, I really got simplify. From, um, from Hillsong, I really got lead. I just, I just felt, I felt God really speaking to me about my leadership, how I lead what I tolerate, what I, what I shouldn't tolerate. Um, Brian Houston said something amazing. Um, he said, you can't build culture, you can only be the culture. Wow. So you can't build culture, you can only be the culture. It's very, and you know, I think that sometimes we're trying to build something that we're not modeling. And leadership rises and falls on example. You've got to be the culture. You know, we've got to be that thing. And I think I, I like that because what it does is it immediately comes back to character, comes back to allowing God to work on you. Um, I can't remember who it was. It might have been, um, it might have been Chris Hodges. Chris Hodges was, the, to me, one of the standouts at ILM, but he was also a standout at Hillsong. And uh, Chris Hodges said, you know, one of the biggest things that he did was put down the binoculars and put up the mirror. When it comes to leadership, put down the binoculars, you know, always looking out, but putting up the mirror and, you know, am I modeling, am I, you know, and so I think, um, you know, culture is everything, creating the right environment, creating an environment that is conducive to, to growth and then looking at yourself, do I model that? You know, do I model that kind of culture of excellence, you know, or do I walk around, you know, like a dag and... You know, and so yeah, I, I find I always find that the Holy Ghost has has a little bit of fun with me. You know, on those days, I'm like, don't, you know, oh, don't, you know, you know, those moments like, oh crap, I thought I was getting away with that, not anymore. And so yeah, that's so good, that's so good. What about then? I'll, I'll kind of end with this. Uh, for all of the, I know in in the room right now we have a lot of. Uh, interns that are just about to start up who are about to learn a whole lot and uh and, but it, but as well all the new leaders out there all the new team members out there who maybe have just started the pastors that are just about to plant their church or just planted their church and what what would you say as far as kind of the the learning from other people and and teachability and all that what is what is one thing maybe you would say to all of those people team leaders pastors that are just starting out that they can be aware of and really implement as far as uh, the teachability and, and learning from other ministries goes? Um, you know, again, it was, uh, it was very interesting. There was a, an interview with um, Pastor Brian. They, they do these panels, Let's Talk Church. And somebody asked a question, Pastor Brian, what do you look for 
whether it's you know someone who's going to be on the platform as part of the Hillsong worship team or someone who's going to come on in a, in a kind of a staff position, what do you look for? And it was very interesting. Brian said, heart, a pure heart, a teachable heart, a good heart. And uh, everything rises and falls on heart. And it's so true, you know, um, God blessed people in the Bible just because they had it in their heart to honor God. And so, you know, for all of our interns, you're going to receive knowledge and information, which is awesome for the head. But the Bible says that knowledge can puff up. And absolutely, we need knowledge. The Bible says to, to search for wisdom, to seek understanding. And in all you're getting, get knowledge. And so wisdom, understanding, and knowledge are three things that we need to go after. But if those things, you know, just rest on the head and never change the condition of the heart, and you'll find that here in the internship program, you're going to get wonderful knowledge that's going to train your head. But the Holy Spirit, God, will be going after your heart. He's going to go after your heart. And that's why I was talking before about attitudes. You're going to find that every single attitude, attitude that you didn't even think you had. I can remember, I can remember when I was at uh, Hillsong College, they won this contract to plant trees in, in the botanical gardens or in the, you know, in the parks in Castle Hill. And so I'm like, oh, that's awesome for you guys. And they're like, yeah, and you lot, the Bible college students are going to plant the trees in the two-week vacation. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I've got to earn money. You know, I've got a job lined up and, you know, I've been working all year. And, you know, and it was just, you know, we had to turn up and plant, dig holes and plant trees. And, you know, it was just like, and so, I, you know, I had this attitude and God just like, oh, man, you know, what am I going to do with you? Like... But it was like every, every step, like it was just, and I had all this great knowledge, like I was coming first in most of my assignments and classes. So, you know, if you're going by the head, I was doing really good. But God doesn't look at the head, he looks at the heart. And he was looking at my heart going, man, you are a jack wagon. You're like, I got a, I got a heck of a lot of work to do before you're ready. And so you'll find that this year, God will go after your heart more than your head. And everything that you hear if it doesn't change things in your heart, if it doesn't shift things in your heart, the kingdom really begins in your heart. You know, you give your heart to Jesus Christ. You know, God chose a, a, a leader or a king as a man after his own heart. And uh, do, not ref- do not look at him for I have refused him, for God does not see as a man sees. For man looks on in the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You know, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to take out your heart of stone. I'm going to put in a heart of flesh. And, and on that day, I'll write my laws on the tablets of your heart. And so God's always dealing with the heart. And I think that leaders only fall over and uh, team members only become despondent or, you know, uh, negative when, when uh, they really stop or don't allow God to deal with their heart and... God is always dealing with heart. Like I, I've, I rarely have a conversation with God where he's not, yeah, yeah, do you realize this is growing in there? Like, oh, crap. I thought I hid that from you. Yeah, not really. <clears throat> so good. So many good gold nuggets right there. Um, let me give this kind of, because I, I learned this from Pastor Jurgen, something that I think always at least tries to keep me hum- humble, but he, he said this once. 
no matter who's speaking, always be taking notes. No matter who it is, because it keeps you humble, keeps you hungry. You always know that, listen, I haven't learned everything. I don't know everything. There's something that I can learn from this person, no matter where they are. First year intern, team leader, pastor, whoever it is, always take notes. So I think when you stop taking notes, you stop taking ground. So always be, be taking notes. So uh, as we close, is there anything else you'd like to leave with our listeners, our team, interns, anything else? Yeah, no, I, like, I really like that thought, always take notes. And I'm always just looking for one thing. So even in a, in a 35, 40-minute message, all I need is one thing. And like you said, it can be an intern up there, and it's passion. You know, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, I've got to make sure my heart, like I keep that passion, that first love. They may not have, you know, the runs on the board yet or the knowledge or whatever, but they're really passionate and like, oh, my gosh, I've got to get back to that passion. I don't never want to lose that passion, but it is easy to lose. You know, hot water gets cold after a while. And so you've got to keep, you know, firing that thing up. And so, yeah, I, I really like that. T- taking notes. I, I want a church where, that leans forward in the preaching, that's taking notes, that writes in journals. Um, you know, our youth ministry was on fire before we came here because that's what we taught. We taught people to bring their Bible, to bring a pad and a pen, you know, or a journal and a pen. And, uh, and it was just, you know, they had, a, they had a decade of harvest of these leaders because we created a teachable culture. So, so good. Well, uh, that's pretty much it for the July edition of C3 San Diego Leadership Podcast. Again, sign up, come to C3 USA and C3 Empower Conference in just two short weeks. Can't wait to see you there, party with you, have fun with you, worship with you. It's going to be a great time. So we love you. Thanks for joining us. We will see you back here next month for the next Leadership Podcast. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Church San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com.